Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is Kurt Flewelling. Uh, those of you that have heard us last week, um, I- I'm telling you, you, you uh, if you blink, you miss it. Uh, we, we get an update and we comment on it. And 43 seconds later, there's something new. And it is just some wild times that we are in with the coronavirus. I, I know I... Um, I kind of ended the show last week saying, uh, you know, a little bit puzzled about the Philadelphia school system that either rightly or wrongly did not want to uh, close schools um, for the reasons that um, the poor kids in North Philadelphia needed shelter and food and all of these things. And then no sooner did we conclude the show that Philadelphia no doubt, uh, after a deluge of um, questions from people like, well, what are you doing? Because all the school systems around Philadelphia have closed. Um, they subsequently closed. So that is a good illustration of how fast moving this is. Um, probably shouldn't use those words, but uh, every day there is a different uh, take on things that are going on. Uh, President Trump is is doing almost daily um, newscasts, which are uh, long, lengthy, informative, and things are just changing rapidly. So stay tuned. Um, however, some things do not change, uh, and that is the Word of God. And for those of you in our Reshaping America listening audience that are uh, what we call faith-based voters or people that are believers that like to keep up on the issues of the day and look at those issues of the day from a biblical standpoint. Um, I will, uh, and I did this last week and I think it's a good thing to do during these times. I will start the show with some scripture. This is one of my favorites. It's a little lengthy. We'll try to get through it. Um, this is Matthew six, 25 through 34, uh, new international version. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And uh, one more brief one that we did last week, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Um, Another one that we uh, oftentimes quote 
on uh, reshaping America's James 1 5, which speaks of wisdom and how the Lord will give that to us abundantly. Um, we do need wisdom because we can uh, turn on the television or talk to our friends and neighbors or listen to the radio, and we are hearing all sorts of crazy things out there, good things, uh, heartwarming stories. I, I think what I'll do today is kind of start with the good and then uh, unfortunately report on the bad. Um, because when I talk to people in business, friends, family, people that are rational, um, they tell me the same thing. And I'll, I'll kind of encapsulate what I've heard from all these folks. And I believe this to be true personally. The virus is a really bad thing and a really concerning thing for us as Americans. But there is something, in my opinion, far worse than the virus. The virus will come. The virus will go. Donald Trump has come. He will go. Um, but panic-inducing rhetoric, people profiting um, financially or uh, in wanting to gain power politically or destroy people, um, unfortunately, that's going to be with us far um, in excess of uh, when this crisis ends and when Donald Trump is gone either in eight months or four years in eight months. Um, that is the bigger problem. And that is the consensus I've heard from numerous people in business, friends, family, people at church. Um, the virus situation is, is very challenging. The panic inducing rhetoric and the abject disinformation, the purposeful disinformation to harm people, to scare people, to gain political advantage, to enact laws, um, power grabs, if you will. All of this stuff is going on. And um, I am by no means a black helicopter guy, but um, some of the things we'll go over probably later in the show very much indicate that there's a lot of people involved in this. And I don't really can't get my head around it. You probably can't either. But they have a vested interest in the coronavirus crisis going on, not only for weeks, but months, and not only for months, longer, because they have um, quite a bit to gain in their warped uh, world uh, when, when things like this go on. So the virus is something to be concerned about. The panic-inducing, angst-inducing rhetoric um, that is forwarded by people that know better and oftentimes people that are just very ignorant or uh, dare I say low IQ and um, that's a problem and we will try to um, do our best here on the show to put forth um, truth and not um, not mislead and not scare but prudence is also something that we should exercise as well. Uh, today, I heard President Trump, he announced that the Food and Drug Administration has approved um, the drug hydro, um, excuse me, hydroxychloroquine, which is a drug that's been around for quite a while. Um, and it has been effectively used in the treatment of malaria, 
rheumatic diseases, uh, various other conditions. Um, you know, this this is one of those areas, and I, I've said this on the show several times. If I had four days worth of shows to do on the big pharma and the FDA, I could certainly do the first day, the FDA is great, and the second day, the FDA is terrible. And the third day, big pharma is wonderful. And the fourth day, big pharma is terrible. So I am no fan of either. And I am a fan of both on certain occasions, if you can understand that. And um, I think there's a lot of people out there that kind of oversimplify the FDA and oversimplify big pharma. A lot of individuals, um, they are the uh, better living through chemicals crowd um, have no problem with a pill or a potion or a lotion or a, an injection that will solve any and all of your problems. And um, although Big Pharma does some wonderful things and extends life and the quality of life for many, I don't think the answer to everything is a pill. Um, and conversely, uh, I think the FDA, with their phase one, phase two, phase three process and, and some of the um, bureaucratic um, garbage that goes with the FDA is certainly uh, problematic. But without the FDA, we would um, we would have a far worse problem on our hands with rogue procedures, rogue drugs that were not trialed properly. So this is not a, a very simple um, issue. Uh, oftentimes people say, yeah, it's about time. We get the FDA out of the way. We fast track these things. It all kind of sounds good, and during a pandemic uh, crisis situation like this, I'm not going to stand in the way of the president um, working in consort with Big Pharma and consort with FDA to try to fast-track some of these things. Um, I, I think that's logical. I think um, having your feet nailed to the fire during, or excuse me, during the floor, to the floor during a time like this is is pretty silly. But if you think this is the way it should go all the time, um, there's a reason we have an FDA and the, and the, the uh, Food and Drug Administration does protect us from all sorts of things that would harm us. Um, and if you think the uh, hydroxychloroquine drug is a panacea, and it may be, I have two words for you, Gerald Ford, um, and we discussed this last week as far as Gerald Ford slipping in the polls to Jimmy Carter um, many, many years ago, um, put a gun basically to the head of the FDA and got them to approve a swine uh, flu vaccine, which ended up doing more harm than the actual swine flu itself in a lot of instances. So that was not a good thing. So we, um, it's uh, these times are ripe for demagoguery. They're rife. They're they're really uh, people can really take their political opponent to task. And uh, I, I think Donald Trump did a very good job today when some reporter asked why you know he didn't do one thing or he didn't do another. And you know, in typical Trump fashion, he just said, you know. Um, I didn't want to get the test for the COVID-19 virus um, because you guys went so nuts. I had to. And, you know, I uh, I put the ban in place on China and it saved many, many lives. 
um, and you guys called me a racist. And if I hadn't done that, many, many lives would not have been saved. And you would have said that my feet were nailed to the floor. So Donald Trump summed it up pretty quickly that he cannot win for losing with the media. And he doesn't really care um, about that as, as opposed to many other politicians, which is a good thing during times like this. So in summation, um, do I think uh, that drug could be very promising? It, it has had some promising results in um, in France, and I think that's encouraging. Do I think approving drugs in uh, a matter of weeks rather than longer um, test, be, being tested among a very, very few amount of patients is the way to go um, all the time? Of, of course, I do not. And so... These things are not as simple as um, sometimes the politicians make them. Um, also saw another article here that Trump is dispatching um, a Navy hospital ship to New York Harbor. And um, that, those of you in the audience that are older um, remember uh, we, we affectionately uh, called him School Bus Nagin, um, who eventually went to jail on corruption charges. And I think he died probably about a year ago. If, if he didn't, I'm really sorry that I'm saying that. But I did hear his name in the news about a year ago, and uh, it reminded me how many in the media affectionately, the conservative media anyway, affectionately referred to him as uh, – School bus Nagin. Those of you that are not aware of Mayor Ray Nagin, um, he was the mayor of um, New Orleans when the Katrina crisis happened, and um, many in the uh, Ninth Ward, despite displays going across the bottom of their television set saying basically "Get out of the city" for about a week before Katrina. Uh, did not heed those warnings. And then when the uh, the levees gave way, uh, many people were flooded out and trapped and, and uh, George Bush was blamed and all this stuff. But um, somebody tapped Ray Nagin on the shoulder and said, you know, um, there's a ton of school buses here that we could definitely throw people in and, um, and drive them to um, at least somewhat farther away. I, I, I shy away from using the word higher ground because there really is no higher ground down in Louisiana, but they certainly could have been bussed to some degree of safety. And those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of school buses in the New Orleans school district just kind of sat there while people panicked. And I, I think that's at the crux of the problem. I think liberals um, sit and wait for their government officials, either in their uh, in the legislature or uh, in executive positions, mayors, governors, presidents, to wave a magic wand, uh, throw some money at a problem and and try to fix these things. And I think Donald Trump is doing a very good job right now, um, not going executive order crazy and acting like uh, the fascist, excuse me, that's a hard word to say, the fascistic dictator that many people think he is and he's not acting that way he's uh, he's coming up with some common sense solutions he's deferring a lot of these panic induced questions um and he's kicking them down the road saying you know that's for the governor of that state to decide or that's for the mayor to decide and i'm working very closely with him these are very prudent answers because um 
as many of you know, some of the biggest power grabs in the world history have come during times of crisis. And historically, um, dictators, despots, um, and in our country, Democrats have really uh, seized a lot of power and done a lot of edicts during times of crisis because people panic. That's why panic is so dangerous. So I know, um, and it, it really kind of, it's odd. It kind of sounds like Governor Cuomo of New York has, uh, has been singing some praises uh, for Donald Trump and also Gavin Newsom in California, two of our biggest states. But I'm uh, originally, uh, I know Governor Cuomo wanted a lot of uh, buildings in, in the state kind of refurbed and turned into makeshift hospitals. And um, I think Trump was one of the few people that are one of the early people that said, you know, um, we'll send the Navy hospital, uh, just a floating hospital to New York Harbor. And then today in his news conference, said he's working with Carnival Cruises. Those boats, nobody's using them for anything, very similar to the uh, school bus situation in New Orleans. Um, we'll recruit those um, cruise ships to go off um, in, into the ports of some of our larger cities if they need to be used for spillover. Now, obviously, um, cruise ships aren't the greatest. Uh, the defense officials in this article that I'm reading about the Navy ships to New York were saying that hospital ships aren't um, really that conducive in containing infectious disease outbreaks. But the bigger picture is they can be used to treat non-coronavirus patients while existing medical facilities uh, focus on disease treatment. And that that's the key. You do not want to burden our hospitals and overcrowd them um, in the state of Pennsylvania here, and I'm sure other states, uh, all elective surgery has been uh, curtailed. And um, these these uh, floating hospitals, if you will, are going to be effective in taking the pressure off the civilian hospitals when it comes to trauma cases or uh, opening up civilian hospital beds for uh, people that have truly infectious diseases. So again, that that is a that is a very good example among many of how Donald Trump is working in consort with industry to try to come up with solutions rather than waving a magic wand, throwing a bunch of money, making a bunch of edicts. Um, has he made some edicts? Yeah, he has. Many of them have been in the form of um, suggestions rather than edicts. Uh, but I think this is any time that you have top-down solutions rather than bottom-up solutions, they are they can only go so far. They are not as efficient as private sector solutions. They they um they never have been, they never will be. Excuse me, taking a little tea here. Um next article that um well you know I'm I'm not gonna go into this next article. I, I wanted to I wanted to kind of um, throttle it back and, and say, you know, this in a very odd way, God works in mysterious ways. I know you all know that, but um, in a very interesting way, if we can get over this panic and this um, 
this uh, incredibly pressure-packed incursion that this virus crisis has put on all of us, this is actually a time that we can get closer to God, uh, friends, family. Um, and you know what just kind of occurred to me the other day is we may never have this time again. Not that I don't um, want this pandemic to be curtailed immediately, and that is how I pray that God just heals um, the world and this great nation of ours of of this virus um, scourge. But, you know, we may never have this time again, and it looks like for a while a lot of us are going to be uh, working remotely. A lot of us are going to... uh, if you have kids, they're going to be home from school or college. And this is a time where if we totally focus on the Lord and what he's trying to do in our individual lives, there could be a lot of healing during a time of, of uh, great crisis and panic, which is going through the country right now. You know, I, I, I go out and, uh, you know, if I'm exercising in the park, um, I see a lot more people than I ever did in the last week. Um, I look out my window. I didn't know that many people were in my neighborhood. I really didn't. Um, I see people walking, families, couples. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I see God doing something in this. Americans are, you know, there's a lot of people that do not have the luxury of just packing it in or working from home or working remotely. They have to get in a bus and drive. They have to deliver things. Our, our truck drivers are, are wonderful. Um, our, our SEPTA personnel in the city are wonderful. They're taking people from A to B. These are heroes, our nurses, our doctors, our technicians, our clinicians. Um, they don't have, many of them, the luxury of working remotely. And if you do, Exploit that. Get your work done and and get closer to your Lord. Uh, spend more time praying. Um, I, I bet you a dime to a donut more people are praying now and they have the time because when we have our routine, whatever that looks like, I, I oftentimes envision God kind of just trying to get a word in edgewise or just trying to interrupt our busy day with children and vocation and exercise and socialization and and all sorts of you know exploits to try to make money you know we we kind of fit a little god in there when we can and some of us don't even do that little prayer in the morning um little prayer before our eyes get heavy at night and that's about it times like these god is is a little bit more um real to a lot of people and perhaps people that don't even know him and are, are kind of tapping at the door and want to know him. So I think the Lord is going to do some incredible things through this crisis. And, um, you know, uh, I, I just think we have to hang on uh, in, in a world. And I've said this several times on this show in a world of disinformation um, and people out and out lying for, for nefarious reasons. Um yeah, politicians debating each other on one side of the issue and going blah, 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 and then the other one goes blah, 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 and you don't know who to believe. Well, that's why taking your Bible and getting into a quiet place and looking at the top 20 issues of the day, where does the Bible stand on that? 
is the only thing you can do because your politicians, your friends, your family, your wife, your husband, they're going to fail you eventually. God never fails you. So these are times that we really have to lean heavily on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, and we will get through this. We really will. Um, before I get into uh, this next uh, story, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to um, get into uh, a story that I heard a good friend of mine. Uh, obviously, I don't know where you're listening to this show from, but in Philadelphia, you, you cannot get um, disinfectant uh, wipes. You cannot get um, um, hand sanitizer, all of these things. And, um, you know, I, I heard a very interesting story um, about my buddy who was smart. He kind of traveled west of the city, um, out to the rural areas, um, thinking he would find a better um, chance of getting um, uh, hand sanitizer or something. And uh, he was at a, I don't know where it was, it was some supermarket. And there was a guy that got to the shelf before him, and there were two canisters of disinfecting wipes on the shelf. And the guy was just uh, ready to grab both of them and go. And the guy did what we all should do. He turned to my friend and he said, um, um, do you need one of these? Because there's only two left. Like, I'll, I'll get one. And my friend was blown away. And my friend said, yeah, I do. And so the guy, you know, I don't know, the guy might have 10 kids at home and, and all sorts of craziness going on. And he may very well have needed a couple of canisters of disinfecting wipes. But he um, he uh, turned to his fellow man and saw a need and said, you can take that. And um, I thought that was wonderful. I really, really did. So um, going with that, I, uh, I, I did see um, on the Today Show, there was um, Surgeon General Jerome Adams. Don't know much about this guy, but I was... Um, and obviously, um, he's a, an accomplished doctor, but um, the thing that impressed me the most about um, Dr. Adams was his demeanor. Again, hearkening back to the beginning of the show, I, I think how we speak to one another, what we say, how we do, disseminate information is very, very important. And I have just, um, I have just read things um, you know, text lines and, um, and and things on television that were just so absolutely crazy and vitriol. This is Trump's Katrina. This is Trump's Chernobyl. And and you know, you could say that this guy obviously works for Donald Trump, but his demeanor in this whole thing was was um, and it, it continues to be. Just absolutely steady, calm, fact-driven, um, not sugar-coated, not, you know, um, and, and, you know, to be fair, there were people on the right, you know, a couple weeks ago that were really poo-pooing this thing and kind of sugar-coating it and telling us there was nothing to worry about, when in reality there was and there is. 
So this guy had a really, when I saw him, just a really nice blend of disseminating fact and and he you know he was actually being interviewed by somebody that was probably certainly no friend of Donald Trump on the Today show but um just a, a calm affect reeking of credibility and um i think he did a good job and and this article says Trump's 43 virus moves aims for South Korea's 99.3% recovery rate and um if you if you've heard some of the credible doctors Dr. Fauci Dr. Mark Siegel, they um, they continue to go back to the South Korean model of and of, of how to um, curtail this thing. And one of the big components of that South Korean model is testing. And if you heard uh, President Trump's news newscast the last or um, his news conferences the last two days, he does talk about test kits, drive-through testing, home testing. Um, these guys are working overtime on that aspect of it because that was, you know, Dr. Uh, Siegel said that is one of the reasons that South Korea has really um, managed this very well, as opposed to other countries that have not managed it all that well. So um, he says uh, today said he wants the Asian model as a model the administration is aiming for as opposed to the disaster that is unfolding in Italy. It says on NBC's Today Show, he urged people to, and we all know these things, but you can never say them enough, to stay close to home, six feet away from others, stay clean. Efforts, he said, could reduce the infection rate and boost recovery. We want them to understand that um, the chances that they don't have the coronavirus, chances are that if you do have it, you will recover based on the Korean data. 99.3% of people affected in South Korea with the virus recover. That's something I'm not hearing a lot of, and we really should park on that. Um, it was interesting. Up until today, I, I would I heard the rates of infection in the United States and how many have died. I didn't hear, at least on a couple newscasts earlier, how many had died, and I can't, um, I can't help but think, in a fear-driven media cycle, that the reason for that is the people being diagnosed, particularly with test kits becoming more and more available, makes this thing look like it's um, an inferno out of control, rather than when you look at how very, very slowly the death rate is climbing in a country of 320 million people, I, I, I don't think that fits into a panic-driven narrative. Um, if you hear 47 dead and then a couple days later, 61 dead and a couple days later, 77, you know, in, in a, those are infinitesimal numbers in a country of 320 million people. So I, I thought that was conspicuous. Um, Goes on to say, officials believe that more and more people are heeding federal and state cautions on the virus, through the though the administration continues to be criticized for its actions. Um, again, uh, Donald Trump cannot win in the eyes of many in this country. Uh, what he's doing um, 
if he didn't do it, he'd be criticized for not doing it. And then when he does it, he is criticized for doing it. So um, I think he's plowing ahead. I know he's plowing ahead. And um, we'll just go from there. I, quickly, some of the things in this article, um, it says uh, a whole of government response, President Trump signed legislation securing $8.3 billion for coronavirus response, President Trump declared a national emergency, inviting states, territories, and tribes to access over $42 billion, uh, leverage the resources of the entire government. The president created a White House Corona Task Force. Um, travel restrictions, he reacted quickly to implement travel restrictions uh, um, from China, buying um U.S. valuable time to respond to the virus. Uh, President announced further travel restrictions, as you all know, including Europe, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Iran. I know people that did not take this seriously, went to Europe, got trapped in Europe, and uh, by the grace of God, got back um, at 11.50, got on a plane at 11.59 before uh, President Trump's 12 o'clock curfew last Friday. Um, and I hope they learn something. I really do. Uh, if you need to be working, if you need to be traveling for, for some reason that is far greater than anything I can imagine, then that's one thing. Um, if you're a college kid that just wants to go to Europe and, um, get drunk and sightsee, um, this was a really bad time to do it. And a bunch of kids have done things like, like that and horror stories of uh, some of these kids costing their poor parents many, many, many thousands of dollars to get last minute tickets back to the States. Um, you don't play with things like this. And I know um, young people feel that they are invincible, um, <laughs> but they are not. So um goes on to say the administration negotiated legislation which will provide tax credits for eligible businesses. Um, the education department uh, uh, waived uh, interest on student loans. The president has directed the Treasury Department to defer tax payments. Um, president has called on Congress to uh, pass a payroll tax cut. This is where Donald Trump's um, infatigable um, stamina is on display. This is when you need, and we'll get to this later in the show, this is when you need a president that uh, can think on his feet. He's sharp. Uh, he's tireless. Uh, and that's what you have with Donald Trump. And we can get into the um, the Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders thing a little later. But um, this is this is a moment where a guy like Donald Trump shines. Um, the article goes on to say he's supporting healthcare providers, um, created new billing codes for coronavirus tests to promote better tracking of the public health response, uh, has health plans with health savings accounts will be able to cover coronavirus testing. Um, the president took action to give uh, HHS authority to waive rules and regulations so that healthcare providers have maximum flexibility to respond to the outbreak. Um, many of these things and many, many more are the things that Donald Trump is doing to um, to make this 
you know, thing go away as quickly as possible. The last blurb here in the article says, in developing vaccines and therapeutics, the administration is working to help accelerate the development of therapeutics and a vaccine to combat the disease. We went over that. Uh, Trump administration actively working with drug manufacturers to monitor and potential drug supply chain issues. National Institutes of Health have announced the beginning of a clinical trial for coronavirus vaccines. Um, so these are these are things that are happening. They're happening in rapid fire. And true to form, Donald Trump's not getting a lot of uh, not getting a lot of credit for these things. But I don't think he really cares because. Um, he has a job to do. If you if you look at Donald Trump and analyze him over the last three and a half years, as much again as he is uh, painted to be a, a micromanaging, fascistic, um, executive order type of a guy, and many of his pol- or policies, if you will, that could not be enacted for various reasons legislatively. He has used executive orders, which he is allowed to do as a president. Not a big fan of that because I'm a conservative, but you have to say that. However, in situations like this, time and time again, Donald Trump has amassed a team of highly intelligent, highly effective um, hardworking individuals. And anytime you look at these press conferences and, and see the individuals, um, behind the president and when they field questions, these people are on the ball and they are get it done type people. And that's who, uh, Donald Trump surrounds himself with. Love him or hate him. He came to Washington the same way with the same approach that he has in business that he has in life. And he basically declared, this is not going to be business as usual. We're going to get things done. And um, boy, if I had a nickel for every politician that said they're going to get things done. But when he says get things done, he means it in a in a much different way than the average politician that says get things done. So, um, I, and I said this on the show last week, I think I'm reasonably confident that even people that aren't real big Donald Trump fans are at least privately very happy that a guy like this is in the office with a can-do spirit and we're going to get this thing done um, as opposed to perhaps somebody else. So we will um, we will go to this um, article that I read um, it says, um, and many of you know this, this was a few days ago, the proclamation of the National Day of Prayer for all Americans affected by the coronavirus pandemic and for our national response efforts. And I'm not going to read this whole thing, but again, um, if you are a faith-based voter or you're a Christian that is interested in the issues of the day, you have to be impressed or take note uh, of the fact that in this proclamation, the word of God is replete through it. Um, just a few times here, it says, as your president, I ask you to pray for the health and well-being of your fellow Americans and to remember that no problem is too big for God to handle. We should all take heart. The holy words found in First Peter 5, 7, 
a verse very well uh, known to many of us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Um, goes on to quote uh, Psalm 91, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Uh, he further states in this proclamation, as we unite in prayer, we are reminded that there is no burden too heavy for God to lift or for this country to bear with his help. Luke one thirty seven promises that for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mr. Trump goes on, and those words are just as true today as they have ever been. So um, he finishes up his declaration by just saying, I proclaim March 15th, 2020 is the National Day of Prayer. National Day of Prayer typically is the first week in May, but he wanted to do this in the um, in the midst of this crisis. And he says, I urge Americans of all faiths and religions, traditions and backgrounds to offer prayers for all those affected, including people who have suffered harm or have lost loved ones. Now, we've said some very heartwarming things here. We have chronicled some articles that talk about some of the things Donald Trump is doing. We have culminated uh, at least this portion of the show with this proclamation. Now we have to get back to reality and um, and talk about some of the darker sides of this. Um, I don't think I can find a darker side to this as a Christian than this article that says Representative Talib, um, Rashida Talib, we all know from Michigan, um, one of the um, one of the uh, the four um, young ladies that that seem to be a thorn in Donald Trump's side um, at every turn. It says Representative Rashida Tlaib at a weekend uh, over the weekend retweeted a post on Twitter which said "F a National Day of Prayer." Now just park on that for a minute. Think of all the things that I just said. If you're a faith-based voter. You may or may not like Trump that much, but at least he's quoting scripture, trying to bring the country together in a, in a time of need with a with a virus that knows no political preference. And Representative Tlaib retweets a, um, a tweet from gun activist David Hogg. Uh, we'll get to who he is in a minute that said F a national day of prayer. Um just uh, words can't really describe how chilling that is, how upsetting that is, how how sorry you and I should feel for the people in that Michigan district that has Representative Tlaib um, representing them. You, you got to feel sorry for them. Um, and the article goes on to say, late Saturday, anti-gun activist David Hogg posted a tweet saying, don't let this administration address COVID-19 like our national gun violence epidemic. F a national day of prayer. We need immediate comprehensive action. So, again, David Hogg was a student um, down at one of the schools in Florida that was shot up and then um, was um, was grabbed by some opportunists and uh, they put some gel in his hair and some makeup on him and he... Uh, he did the talk show circuit for quite a while, and now he is just a professional agitator um, gaining notoriety and fame from that shooting tragedy in Florida. 
And he, I guess he's branching out um, because there's a hundred million gun owners in this country. He can only get so much money or traction, um, you know, agitating them. Now he's into um, commenting on the, uh, the COVID-19 crisis. Um, what's, what's the most chilling about this? I mean, the, the, the F word is offensive. The fact that a Congresswoman retweeted it is, is beyond words. But um, I think as Christians and as, as uh, we're supposed to have hearts for lost souls, I think the, the biggest um, concern here is the fact that this guy's last comment was, we need immediate comprehensive action, as if prayer is just kind of an afterthought. That's something that, you know, Yahoo's in the middle of country pray to some invisible God, then ain't going to do nothing according to David Hogg and uh, probably according to Rashida Tlaib if she retweeted Mr. Hogg's um, uh, tweet. Um, it, it's always concerned me that that uh, even people of, of quasi-faith, prayer is always kind of a last resort. And, and this guy here really punctuates that by saying, we need immediate comprehensive action. We don't need any prayer. Um, as if God was not sovereign over everything, as we know he is. Um, it's just it's just very, very troubling to me. I, I, I stutter and stammer um, through these things when I read them because that's, um, you know, we can have disagreements as conservatives and liberals and Democrats and Republicans and, you know, all sorts of different stripes out there. But when I read something like that, the only thing more disturbing with Mr. Hogg's tweet is the fact that a representative in the United States um, House of Representatives retweeted that. Just very chilling. Um, you know, and, and earlier I said, you know, love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump. Um, you have to admire the fact that he has taken the bull by the horns. He's doing press conferences for in excess of an hour all day, uh, you know, in, in front of the media, a very, very hostile media. Um, you, you have to take your hat off to them, but some people don't. But I'm telling you right now, in a close election, and it may very well be a close election in November, it looks like, and I'm not going to go saying this because everybody was wrong about three weeks ago. It looks like Joe Biden is the presumptive Democrat nominee. Um, Bernie is wavering a little bit here. Many contend that Bernie never, ever, ever wanted to be the president. He just wanted to be the leader of, of some little, um, you know, rogue club out there that, that thinks socialism is the model that we should all adopt. Um, he's enriched himself mightily um, financially with this little shtick that he's had going for about uh, five or six years now. Um, the irony is just too rich. And uh, again, I, I thought it was one of the better comments when Mayor Bloomberg said, uh, what a country, the, the most notable, famous socialist uh, in America has three homes and he's a millionaire. And I think that really does sum up all you need to know about Bernie Sanders. But it, it the, the last, uh, at the airing of this show, the last I've heard about Bernie Sanders is he has gone back to Vermont to kind of regroup. So right now, 
it looks like it's Joe Biden. And I, I think there's a pretty sizable segment of our populace that may not be Trump sycophants and they may not be CNN loving Democrats either. They may be uh, Republicans or Democrats that have some degree of common sense. And I can tell you, they're not really big Joe Biden fans in a time of crisis. You know, you can you can elect somebody and as many have said, we'll just put him in there as a figurehead and he, he's going to be uh, steered as a puppet would be by other forces that may or may not be true. But let's just say for the sake of argument, it is um, in a situation like this, you need a little bit more than a robot. And any of you that have heard my show for any length of time, I am not. I defended Mr. Biden, although I um, vehemently disagree with his policies and I have for decades. Um, I've defended him with the he's senile, he's demented, he has Alzheimer's, he forgets his Aricept, all these jokes about him. I think it's just too intellectually lazy to analyze Joe Biden that way. But I will say unequivocally, and I said this a couple shows ago, he is a 77-year-old man. And 77-year-old men, if you analyze their brains, they slip a little. They, um, they're just not what they were when they're 25, 30 years old. And that goes without saying. Some people slip a little more than others um, physiologically. Uh, I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, manner, or form jumping on that. He's um, demented or he needs Aricept type of uh, um, uh, bandwagon. But I do know one thing. Bernie Sanders is right um, in one of his last gasps to try to beat Joe Biden. You know, Bernie Sanders politically may not be of the same stripe as Donald Trump, but he's 78 and he just got a stent thrown in and he works pretty darn hard. And he posited the, the notion like, you know, what's with the Joe Biden seven minute speeches and five minute speeches? I get up on the stump speech for an hour you have to hit Donald Trump with a shovel to get him to stop talking. Joe Biden is up there for, you know, four minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. You need a president at the least that is of sound mind, that is infatigable as Donald Trump is, and is just raring and ready to go and up for the job. And I'm really sorry. I've done a lot of apologizing for and defending Joe Biden recently. He certainly, in a crisis like this, could not field questions, could not think on his feet, could not lead this nation the way this nation needs to be led during this crisis. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just don't see it. And I think a lot of other people don't see it as well. So I, I think he's got a big problem, um, but it kind of leads me to this uh this article, Joe Biden said on uh, a few days ago, uh, it says he delivered opening salvo in the general election campaign against President Trump in a speech that centered on the coronavirus crisis, um, but more broadly posed the question Democrats hope to make the centerpiece of their campaign. What kind of a leader does America want? And if he's got the guts to ask that question, which we all know that Joe Biden has no fear wading into anything at any time, regardless of his ability to 
navigate that subject matter? Um, that is a very open-ended question that um, I think he doesn't want to be answered. Uh, what kind of a leader does America want during the time of crisis such as this? And um, he and Bernie Sanders have called Trump incompetent, reckless, um, and uh, Sanders has added the, um, you know, this this uh, coronavirus crisis has been uh, greatly enhanced by the fact that we don't have universal health care. Um, he goes on to say, by cutting our investment in global health, this administration has left us woefully unprepared for the exact crisis that we now face. That could not be further from the truth, and we're running out of time here, so I'm not going to uh, go into it in detail. But um, I'd like you guys to look at the countries that have socialized medicine, which is most of the world, and how woeful um, they are now um, as far as shortages of, you know, all of these shortages and presumed shortages, and we've gotten caught flat-footed that are happening in America, why don't you um, multiply those by a lot in countries such as Italy, um, China, um, other countries of the world that um, their socialized medicine model has made this problem uh, far worse. So when Bernie Sanders says something like, um, because we uh, don't have universal health care or, you know, in, in more accurate terms, socialized medicine, this this uh, this problem is worse. He could not be more 180 degrees out of phase with his assertion. He, he just could not. And we don't have time enough uh, on this show to uh, to go over that. But um, he's wrong. He's just absolutely wrong. And um, this darker side of the coronavirus crisis, it, it, it all goes back to, um, you know, the former Clinton confidant and mayor of Chicago, which I chronicled on my last show, Rahm Emanuel, um, who uttered those famous words, never let a good crisis go to waste. And um, there are so many people that are taking this crisis and exploiting it, exploiting it to damage Donald or potentially damage Donald Trump. Uh, there's an article here about Hillary Clinton saying Donald Trump using uh, racist rhetoric to distract from his inadequate coronavirus preparation. Um, and what she's alluding to is um, is how, how President Trump called the epidemic the Chinese or the Wuhan coronavirus um denoting the likely origin of the disease that spread out of China. Um, article goes on to say, congressmen and advisors to the president have repeatedly tied the virus to China, some even claiming that the Chinese communist government covered up the outbreak to mitigate blame and potential economic losses. Um, well, they did. You, you really don't have to be a political junkie or understand the red Chinese as opposed to the capitalistic West or Democrat Republican, or you really don't have to have that great of a working understanding of all this to pretty much agree with the fact that the Chinese uh, communist government did indeed cover up the coronavirus, the severity of it, 
the execution of doctors and journalists that tried to get the word out to the world. Um, the blood of many people on this globe are clearly um, on the hands of, of the Chinese government. But that that's nothing new. That's always been that way. It always will be that way. And uh, for Hillary Clinton to, to be so um, pandering to the low IQ crowd out there saying that um, by calling this the Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese coronavirus, that um, Donald Trump is saying something that's racist. It, it just, it's, it's foolishness. It, it is. This, this, um, this socialist nation um, has, has um, this communist nation, I should say, has endangered all of us. Um, this, this virus could have been identified and um, at least attempted to be curtailed in the fetal stages of its incubation. And, and the fact that this um, virus ran unabated for months at a time in the beginning, um, evidenced by people being shot and, and um, you know, segregated and, out, uh, you know, taken to re-education camps because they wanted to out the fact that this thing was... Um, was pretty bad is is all the evidence you really need and there's plenty of historical evidence that the Chinese government operates this way as well so my opinion um i don't think donald trump is is um in any way manner or form uh, out of line by calling this the wuhan coronavirus or chinese coronavirus i mean if he beat that uh daily i think it probably would be not productive but it, alluding to it and and alluding to that, uh, the fact that the, the origin of this and, and how badly this, uh, we all stumbled out of the blocks because of the Chinese and their cover up and the way they do things over there is certainly, um, is certainly the truth. And Donald Trump rarely does, uh, shy away from the truth. So we are winding it down here. Um, you know, uh, my advice to you all would be to just get back to the Word of God. And I've said that um, just about every show that I've ever done on here on Reshaping America. Um, these are times when people are confused and when they're confused and scared and um, angry at their political adversary, they are ripe to be told certain things by certain quote unquote journalists or certain networks. And um, if you're tired of what you're hearing on the radio, the television, reading in the newspaper, um, and you're just reading a little of this and a little of that, and this seems to contradict that, and I don't know what the answers are, coupled with the fact that this situation is uh, just moving rapidly and changes on a daily basis, I would suggest turn off everything, go to your prayer closet, open your Bible, and uh, commune with the Most High God. He will uh, orient you. He will restore calm in you. Um, you will better uh, be able to operate in your job with leading your family and uh, your children and helping your friends and neighbors if you are grounded and steeped in the Word of God during these challenging times. Um, do not put your head in the sand and uh, not inform yourself. Um, 
a lot of things we all do need to pay attention to right now. But when you get to the point where you are in an absolute frenzy about this, shut it off, open your Bible, and return to where you should be on a daily basis. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. We will see you next week.